Hello, and welcome to The Recapables, a podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Amanda Dobbins, the culture editor of The Ringer. I am joined today by Micah Peters. Sheesh. And Allison Herman. What's up? Both staff writers at The Ringer. The Recapables is a podcast where we talk about your favorite TV shows right after you've watched them. We are going to be starting with season two of Atlanta. But since it hasn't been on in a while, we thought that we would do a refresher course on season one of Atlanta. On this podcast, we're going to give out awards for best moments, best performances, best music cues. But before we do that, we thought that we would talk a little bit more generally about season one. Yeah, man, I need Malcolm. You too, Martin. You know what they did to him? They killed him. Didn't they kill Malcolm too? Well, no, no, they say that. But ain't nobody seen the body since the funeral. That's how funerals work. Alfred, you already Malcolm, okay? You have that already. What you really need is a silent wild card. Somebody who's about the money, the opportunity, who can play both sides if needed. I gave you guys each a question, which is, how would you describe what happened in season one? And there's a really boring boilerplate version that I will give now, which is, there is a character named Alfred, also known as Paperboy. He is an aspiring rapper, and he is joined by his cousin, Ern, who is his manager and friend, and his hippie weird friend, Darius, and they are trying to make it in the music scene in Atlanta. Now, that is technically a literal definition, but it is almost inaccurate and Mm. definitely irresponsible Mm. and does not create (laughs) or represent the spirit of the show at all, basically, which is really interesting. And so, Mike, I was wondering if you could provide a more correct description of season one of Atlanta. Okay, well, it was the blackest show on television. Absolutely. Not necessarily because, you know, the cast is primarily black and they deal with being in Atlanta, which has the nation's largest black middle class, but because... It's the blackest show on television because it doesn't treat blackness as something that needs to be like advertised or something that needs to be pushed onto people. It's just something that is. That being said, Atlanta is also a show where nothing happens and everything happens. Yeah. I mean, also, it's very difficult for me personally to describe Atlanta without turning into like Lady Gaga in that video where she's describing Ryan Murphy and she's like, brilliant, fantastic, groundbreaking, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So that's how I feel about the show overall. But I think the thing that really struck me over the first season is that you can kind of tell with the very notable exception of Donald Glover and some producers like Paul Sims, it's largely made by people who have never made TV before. Mm. The writer's room was all black. And a lot of the people who were in the writer's room are people who were just like members of Donald Glover's general creative posse. Yeah, they were Uh, just young and some of them had never written TV before. Yeah, and there are people in the room like Stefani Robinson who are TV writers but are just like young TV writers for Mm -hmm. whom this is a really major opportunity. But I think that really comes across in the show because – First of all, there's just no way it should work. Like throwing a bunch of people who've never written TV before in in literally Donald Glover's house and telling them to write a season of TV sounds like a recipe for disaster. But it also means that it like continually breaks every rule for how a TV show is supposed to function, starting with the fact that the plot basically doesn't matter and has nothing to do with the experience of watching the show. Yes, everything about the story of... Paperboy's aspiring rapper, Earn wants to be his manager. It almost all happens off screen, or it's kind of a setup in the first two minutes of an episode to lead to all sorts of hijinks and unexpected situations from a charity basketball game to getting arrested to, you know, making bail to making a club appearance, making a club appearance. 
but somehow it works, which was what was so exciting about it. It was completely unexpected and also kind of fully realized from episode one, you just immediately knew that this is a show is going to work. It won many Emmys, many Golden Globes. We should just talk about that briefly. Won the Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actor, Donald Glover, and he also won for Best Directing for BAN, which is a episode we'll talk more about. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he won the Golden Globe. It won for Best Comedy, and he won for Best Actor as well. And he also gave the now famous speech. I couldn't be here without Atlanta. Like, And I really want to thank uh, the Migos, not for being in the show, but for making Bad and Bougie. Like, that's the best song ever. So, um... About Bad and Bougie catapulting it to the top of the streaming charts. I feel obligated to note that it is a little weird that Glover's the person who won the directing Emmy for this show. I think one of the best things about Atlanta, despite it very clearly being Donald Glover's show, is that he's very generous with, you know, most of the directing was done by his music video collaborator, Hiro Mirai, who I think is probably the defining visual influence on the show. And his personal role within the show. It's much less the Donald Glover show than you would expect. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely, it feels, it has all the feels of a Hiro Mirai project, kind of like... If you watch the music video for, say, like Telegraph Ave, and then you watch the title screen in the first episode where they had the huge flyover shot of Atlanta, like that's, or when Darius and Paperboy are driving up through the hills, like that's, those are very, like the long overhead shot is his thing, really. But yeah, I mean, like it was a little weird that it was like Donald Glover wins for directing. If you don't like the awards that were given, we can give awards now. Amazing segue. Look at that. It was right there in front of me. But we are, in fact, going to give some awards. It's incredible. So let's start. We're going to do awards throughout this, this season. But the first award that we're going to give for the entire season of Atlanta is the best episode. Mm. And I asked you guys to rank three episodes, and I thought we would all be on the same page. And there was not as much as overlap as I expected, which was interesting. So, Allison, why don't you share your winner for your favorite episode of season one of Atlanta. I just picked the one that I think was the most formative in my experience of watching the show, and that was the second episode, which is called Streets on Lock. Never been arrested before, man. Yeah. <laughs> You've been arrested for weed. It's not that bad, right? It was not as good as not getting arrested for weed, man. It is where Ern spends a night in jail and it turns into almost a mini anthology of short stories about the people he encounters within jail. And Al is immediately bailed out and sort of reckons with his fame with Darius. It's a little more of a nebulous plot outside of it. But I guess the reason I picked it is in in the lifetime of the show... FX clearly knew what they had on their hands. This show didn't premiere until September, and they put the pilot online in, like, January when they had press tour. Basically, I saw the pilot a long time before I saw the rest of the show. And I remember watching the pilot and thinking, you know, this is handsomely shot. This is interesting. I will obviously watch more, but it still seemed like I could extrapolate what the rest of the show was going to be. And because it's a first episode, it has to do certain things that first episodes need to do to, like, literally sell network executives on the idea of ordering more episodes. So I would say it's also, historically speaking, pretty great as a pilot because pilots usually have so much work to do in terms of exposition and setting things in motion and they can be a little unwieldy. It's yeah, a great this pilot. This kind of just throws you into it with the guy kicking off a side view mirror is like and you're just there and it's just kind of like, all right, figure it out. 
Yeah, it's a good pilot, and I also think it becomes a better pilot from when you know where the show is going and you go back and rewatch it mm-hmm. and you see all the hints it's dropping. Yeah. But I think just in its own, I was sort of like, okay, the episode-by-episode plots are going to be like Earn trying to get things done on behalf of his cousin. I kind of thought I knew what the show was. And then we start episode two, and it's just Alan Earn shooting the shit in jail, laughing and talking. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Especially that, that, that one part where he's, he's sitting next to— so that's Alfred. He's just like, yeah, ain't that Gina? She was in the T-Pain video. It's definitely her, man. I know that ass anyway. <laughs> no, <man>. Gina! <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it just starts off so casual. And it also immediately splits up the two characters. Mm-hmm. Like, they, you get them, you know, joking with each other. And then immediately Al is bailed out and goes and lives in his own life. And then Ern's kind of stuck there. So you think it's going to be the show about their relationship. And it immediately splits them up. What happens in the jail is pretty surreal. I just remember, like, watching this episode and thinking, okay, this is bigger and better and more interesting than I thought it was going to be based on this pilot that I've been sitting on for eight months. And I obviously immediately hit play on the next episode. And the love story hasn't stopped since. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it resets expectations really early, which is hard to do usually in a a new television show. It takes people a few episodes to figure it out. And it's very clear with Streets Unlocked that they know exactly what they're doing. Micah, do you want to share your favorite episode? Hmm. My favorite episode. Or best episode. That's the what best, I was just saying. I think that the best episode is probably Juneteenth. Yeah. I was. It was number two for me. I'm very yeah. close with you. I um, mean, okay, so the way that the episode begins is you have you have Ern waking up. And first of all, it's, it's another one of those things where it's just like a time jump. Like, we have no idea where we are as, as, as far as how close Ern and Paperboy are to realizing their goal of rap superstardom. But... On the side, he and Van have to take their daughter, at, like, have to, you know, send their daughter to school so that they get in the good graces of, like, the really good private school. So they have to go to this really weird house party where they go to, like, this plantation house and the The line in is... my notes is specifically McMansion Hell. McMansion Hell. Yes. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if you haven't is, seen yeah. that blog, it's... Is, is definitely, it's apt, guys. Really, we just need to talk about Craig. Craig, um, explain oh who Craig is. Craig is the husband of Van's cousin. I don't think the relationship is ever explained. Yeah, so the, the relationship isn't ex- exactly explained. Someone who Van looks up to. Exactly. Monique is her name. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Monique is trying to sell her on the idea of like you know just get yourself a sugar daddy. Can't eat if you don't open your mouth. Get this big ass house, and he gets the black wife he always wanted. <laughs> That's marriage. I like Craig, but I love my money. Her security comes in the form of Craig, who is this really overzealous white guy who is just big into being an ally. Like, and and really, and really, really, really <laughs> perform- literally performing it. There's a long sequence in the middle of the episode where Craig does a spoken word poem. It's the most haunting. And it is easily the most terrifying part of the season. But my point is moot. I have seen strange fruit loaded in this garden of Eden. It's literally shot like a horror movie by Janixa Bravo. There's like this echoey sound effect. It feels like Get Out almost. Yeah, because and on top of that, like Ern's sitting there and like being swallowed by a seat. And it's just kind of like 
Jim Crow. Jim Crow was a man. But he's also a but ghost. But he's also a ghost. <laughs> still so excruciating. I was um, re-watching that earlier today yeah. and literally had to change the tab. Like, I could not look at it yeah. as it was happening. Yeah. I mean, like, he's literally serving up Hennessy in a brandy, like, brandy snifter in his, in his study, where Easter Egg is the cover for Donald Glover's album Awaken My Love is like on the mantle of the thing if you go back and watch that. Oh, but that's anyway, right. Yeah. Throughout the season, uh, you have people that are willing to explain to the principal characters the nature of the world that they're living in. But Earn takes on that role in this episode. And like at the end of it, he's just kind of like, this is weird. This is weird, yeah. guys. It's also this really fascinating episode for observing Earn and Van's relationship. So they have this really, like they have a daughter together. They are connected. They are on and off romantically when we meet. So you say this starts as a time jump. Specifically, it starts with Earn in another woman's bed and Van picking yeah. him yes. up from there. And she asks, like, are are you high? And he's just like, not really. Also, just the <laughs> the half wave that Earn gives behind his head that as he's was leaving the so other woman's cold. house. Is just hot. <laughs> or yeah. she asks, are you coming back tonight? And he just goes, no. 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 Thanks? <laughs> no. Question mark. <laughs> Thanks? I, I mean, I love... Like when they finally start getting back into the groove of being like a couple and they're like playing off of each other when they're talking to the reverend guy. But like as soon as he starts saying things that are like real. Van does everything. She works. She raises our child. She's smarter than me, better than me. I mean, that's why I married her. She honestly doesn't get the credit she deserves I mean, ever. And you see like all these emotions wash over her face. And she's like, why can't you be like this all the time? And it's so good. But that's the great thing is she doesn't even specifically say that. She just says, you're mean. And you just get so much about their sort of in-betweenness, her frustrations with him, why they keep coming back to each other. The chemistry between Donald Glover and ZZ Beats is incredible. Yeah. It is. They also just, the relationship changes about seven or eight times in the course of a 25-minute episode, which is phenomenal. And it's kind of indicative. Atlanta can do that, right? It can go from zany to deeply uncomfortable to heartbreaking to absurd boom boom yeah, boom yeah, yeah. it's kind of the signature of the show my favorite episode is on the absurd side it's ban which is oh, known as so the great. fake talk show episode and I, this is my favorite for a couple reasons we'll talk more about this but i am a brian tyree henry fan forever now without him i don't think this show can exist and He's- it's a real showcase for him he is perfect to set up the episode, there's almost no explanation, and it actually starts... With a Dodge Charger commercial. With a Dodge Charger commercial, and if you DVR it, and then you almost fast-forward through the commercial because You just have don't... to see the, like, TVMA in the upper right corner, exactly. but you could very easily... They don't signal it. that it's a fake commercial that they've produced. The whole setup is that Alfred Paperboy is on a fake talk show called Montague. Good evening and welcome to Montague. I'm your host, Franklin Montague, and today we're going to take a look at the growing outlook of accepted sexuality and its effects on black youth and culture. With us today, we have the head of the Center of Trans-American Issues, Dr. Deborah Holt, and recording artist, Paperboy. Good evening to you both. Good evening, Montague. And he is there to debate an academic, like a really stern white lady academic, about... Some recent comments he's made about Caitlyn Jenner 
And then how we talk about identity and how those things are expressed and then rap lyrics. And then it just goes out of control and it's an entirely unproductive conversation. It's And then that's only the first segment because the <laughs> next segment is the now famous... Uh, Harrison, the transracial kid who is a 35-year-old I'm a 35-year-old white man. So how do you embrace your identity? I dress a certain way. Patagonia. I wear a thick brown leather belt. I like to envision myself after the surgery. Hey, excuse me. What IPA do you have on tap? Hey, did you see Game of Thrones last night? <laughs> it's like a that's haunted me for the a while. Thick brown yeah. leather Art. belt in yeah. the yeah. when he's passing the cop talking to another black guy, and he goes, "That's definitely the guy. <laughs> I've never seen him in the neighborhood before." And the guy just goes, "I called them." Anyway, oh. it has. There are about five more commercials, and Mike, I know you want to talk about some of them. It's a full fake episode of television that they just decided to go for broke and. Make a totally different show, not explain it at all. I also wanted to note that, so BAN is the second of two kind of showcase or bottle episodes. The one before it is mostly about Van, and that one is obviously a showcase for Brian Tyree Henry. But it means that Donald Glover, the creator and essentially star of the show, is on screen for maybe 30 seconds across, like, two weeks of real time. Mm. That's really wild to me. Yeah. Like, you just don't see the person who's a supposedly the center of the show. Yeah, for... Paperboy calls off screen to him on, on VAN, and that's right. it. That's, when he yeah. learns that he's not being paid yeah, to be on the show, which is another great moment. All right, so we're going to do Best Guest Star as our na- next award. Mm. So anyone who shows up for an episode or two and makes an impression. Uh, we all three pick the exact same yeah. person, or should I say group of people. Micah, who is our Best Guest Star? Uh, Migos, yes. Quavo specifically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in the episode "Go for Broke," Ern is taking Van on a date that he doesn't know that he can pay for, and Paperboy and Darius are doing a drug deal with Migos. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they get out of the car, and Paperboy walks up to this RV in that, the middle, in of, the the middle of the woods. <laughs> Quavo goes, yo, what's going on with you? And then, like, Paperboy's just like, oh, you know, busy, busy. He's just like, the hell you mean, nigga? Trapping boring as fuck. <laughs> and it's, like, one of my favorite lines in the entire show. Also, also, he's just like, yo, let's, let's put this, this business deal on hold for a second. We got some stuff we need to take care of right quick. And then Offset just randomly pulls a naked guy out of the back of the RV yeah. and says, put your clothes on. <laughs> Please, man. You... Come on, don't do this to me. Hold up, put your clothes on, man. It's cold out here. Uh, That poor naked guy. Uh, Things don't end well for him. No, they don't. Spoiler. Not at all. (laughs) Pass me Percy over there. I love the fact that he calls his rifle Percy. (laughs) Anyway, he tells him to start running. You'll eventually find the city, and then Quavo shoots him in the back with the rifle. And that's a little sobering, but easily the best guest star. Episode three of a brand new show, and then suddenly... Migos, Migos is there, is there. Yeah. in acting capacity. It's just, it's again, it's like, look what we can do, which is what this show excels at. And it's look what we can do, but it's also not, it doesn't break the reality. It's not a gimmick. These are people who realistically could be in this world. They're the perfect people to cast on a new show that is about the rap scene in Atlanta that's like yeah. trying to prove its bona fides. It just fits so organically into the world. And Atlanta is not a show that really does stunt casting, which I think is impressive for comedy a genre that does a great deal of stunt casting when it comes to guest stars yeah all right next award 
the scene you can't stop thinking about, which is just a particular moment or setup that has stayed with you. Micah has already alluded to one of his, but you actually have several. Yeah, I have a couple. And you want to, so why don't you describe them and then bring them together for us? Um, There's a couple of scenes that comment sort of as directly as the show comments on anything on uh, police brutality. And there's one in the BAN episode, which is the cereal commercial. And it's basically like, you know, your standard tricks are for kids type deal. There's a wolf in mummy clothing and they're in this Indiana Jones type place and it's three kids and they're eating cereal out of, you know, hollowed out coconuts or whatever. And the wolf is about to steal the the cereal and then police officer comes out of nowhere, tackles him to the ground and puts his knee in the back of his neck and is arresting him like super forcefully. Oh, I gotta have them crunchos! Stop resisting. Ah! Stop resisting, sir. Damn. Stop resisting. Oh, <laughs> Stay down. Yo, you sitting on his back. He was trying to steal your cereal, right? I mean, it's this cereal. He can have it. Man, I'm just hungry, man. They don't let wolves in stars, man. Step back, guys. And the kids start filming the, the cop on their cell phones. It's just also important to reiterate. They're also like Sunday morning cartoon. This is like, so. yeah. I mean, like, this is like Looney Tunes. It's, and and they're. It looks like an ad for like Cocoa Krispies. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, like, I could not stop thinking about it after I saw it. And it made me think about the scene in the second episode of Streets on Lock where they have the mentally ill man that's drinking water out of the toilet. And that's right. on I also have a collection of scenes that that's yeah. part of. Yeah, and then there's and then that kind of makes you think about the scene in the final episode in the jacket where Erna's basically the entire episode arc is him looking for his jacket because it has his keys in it and they it takes them all around town and eventually to this um I forget what he's even a suspect for the Uber driver. He's like a drug dealer, right? Yeah, okay. So he's like a drug dealer, and the cops show up to his house. Like, the SWAT team shows up to his house, and they gun him down in the front in his front yard. And Ern walks up, and he's just like, yeah, can I look in the pocket real quick? <laughs> can I and get my asked, jacket like back? Like, five times. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, and it's just kind of like something that is extremely dire, but also routine, and like something that you kind of have to laugh at because it always happens. Right. Allison, your answer is pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. I I really think that's kind of, we talked earlier about how Atlanta can shift between a lot of different gears in the blink of an eye, and it's part of what makes it special. But I think the specific gear shift that it does, like clockwork basically once every episode, is that things go from relatively normal, relatively comic, to extremely violent. It's not even a specifically violent moment, but there's a scene where Ern wakes up from a nap and he realizes and he's looking that at he's the staring yeah. into the barrel of a gun. Or the club episode, like they're all just shooting the shit in the parking lot and all of a sudden they hear gunshots and everybody starts running out. It's yeah. just... And then immediately the invisible car the drives invisible through. The invisible car drives Because yeah, that's what the show does. It, it's You guys both made great points and it never dwells. You just kind of keep... It keeps moving. Yeah. I have a slightly less serious scene. Mm. It was a scene that I had blocked out, and now it's the one I can't stop thinking about, which is it's in Values, which is the Zazie Beats, mm-hmm. the Vanessa bottle episode. She goes out to dinner with a long-lost friend, or not long-lost, but an old friend, and they're comparing lifestyles, and it ends with, the dinner ends with Fan smoking a joint with her friend. 
Mm-hmm. And then she wakes up the next morning and gets the phone notice that she has her mandatory drug test for uh, her job that day. And so she goes through a number of ways to pass the drug test. And do you guys remember what happens? Yes. Oh, yeah. I do remember. She ends up, so, you know, the traditional. Walter White. She, she, <laughs> yes, the traditional oh method God. of passing a drug test is taping a condom with someone else's urine to your Imagine to your body. how that kitchen smells. I know, but because Van does not have access to someone else's urine, she uses, she farms urine from her child's diaper in order. Diapers. 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 It's so many. It goes on for so long. And the cuts as she's going through each diaper and the goggles and everything that she's wearing. Oh, my God. I had completely blocked it out. And when she goes to her boss to confess later, because, spoiler, this elaborate scheme does not work out, her boss gives her a hug because she loses her job. And then she takes a smell, takes an inhale. And Ooh, goes, it's oh, all in your yeah, hair. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't quite have to imagine how the kitchen smells. We get a, we get a sense of how a bystander would react. I mean, if you want to be critical about it, I, not critical, but to apply criticism, it is that sense of the show. You never know what emotional tone it's going to strike and the absurdity of certain moments. And then the, the scene where Van gets fired later on is quite matter of fact it's kind of like well yeah, it's over yeah and like here you go and then it ends with like her text of she, she texts exactly. Amy before she's just like how much for an eighth and he goes yeah. like i don't sell delete my number girl you sloppy <laughs> as fuck <laughs> but it's really just harrowing it's harrowing to watch that's why i picked it oh. <laughs> okay i suppose that that scene also could have been a winner for our next category which is the black justin bieber award for surrealism mm. The moments that you honestly cannot believe are real or that come out of nowhere. Or just aren't real. Or aren't real or aren't explained. Those kind of classic Atlanta moments. It is named after a moment in episode five of season one, Nobody Beats the Biebs, in which Justin Bieber shows up. And he's black. And he's black. And it's never explained or commented on. Not even once. So the diaper scene could have been a winner, but... I had a different winner. We all agreed. What is the winner of the most surreal award? Wait, we all said the same thing for yeah, this? The we, black kid in so white wild. face? We all oh said the black, the black kid, kid in white face. <laughs> is honestly, like, it's it's during it's during the Van episode after she goes yeah, to get a drug test. It, yeah. and, and she's talking to one of her fellow teachers, and she's talking about this kid that she had to send to the principal's office. And she was just doing roll call, and there was this kid just sitting in the back of the classroom with white face on, and th- she didn't know how to deal with it. And they they just kept moving on because yeah. Van had to go take a drug test. And then at the end of the episode is the same kid sitting in Van's class in white face. But the best part is, it's not just that it's a kid in white face. Like when you say that, you could you could see a version of it that's sort of integrated into the reality of the kid's no, classroom. I mean, like, it's the way it's shot. And soundtrack, and most importantly, the expression on this kid's face—it looks like he, <laughs> like he hit a body somewhere in the in the school. Like, and on top of that, he's literally he's happy about it, yeah. and that he wants you he's, to know. He wants and you to know that it was. it's so creepy. Yeah, like they just they linger on his face for so long and zoom in, and then it just holds there for like twenty five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> really enjoy it. Okay, final award. MVP of the season. That stands for most valuable player, Mm. if you're new here. And it's 
the person who did the most for the show. We each have different answers, which is very exciting. Allison, would you like to go first? I just think it has to be Donald Glover. It's a very fair point. I mean, it's his show. He is the star. He wrote a bunch of it. All, he's very, like I mentioned before, he's very generous about allowing other people to share screen time, about promoting other people, about, you know, lifting up his collaborators. But I do think, you know, there's a very specific kind of show I had in mind when I, again, read the announcement that Donald Glover got a series order for a show. I remember the exact log line was like, two cousins navigate the rap scene in Atlanta. Mm. And I was like, okay, it's going to be like a little bit of how to make it in America. Shout out that show. <laughs> Shout out HBO. Wow, flashback. Shout out Brian just... Greenberg and Lake Bell. <laughs> Shout... Oh my God, Lake Bell. <laughs> but, you know, a little bit of a struggle show like that. I was kind of bracing for that. And the fact that Atlanta wants to be so much more than that and is so much more than that, I think is something that really starts with him. And I think, Micah, you wrote a really great piece about this called We Have to Take Donald Lover Seriously Now. But throughout his career, like, he's <laughs> always been ambitious. He's always taken big swings. A lot of the times those swings haven't really landed or been received super well. And there was just this feeling of like, okay, he's finally found what he should be like applying all this ambition toward with this show. There are obviously a lot of people to credit for that, but his is the name at the top of the bill. It's a valid argument. Mm. I mean, it's, you can't have the show without him, which is true. My winner, I'm going to go next, is that I don't <laughs> okay. think the show works without Brian Tyree Henry. I should be able to say something that's weird without people hating on me. All right. Look, I never, I never said anything about taking away nobody's rights. All right. No, I understand what you're saying, but some people found your remarks offensive. Yeah, well, freedom of speech. Their performance is incredible. It's such like a specific mixture of reluctance and charm. And he can play those quiet moments or those the moments where Atlanta doesn't dwell. He is kind of embodies that and just keeps it moving Mm. in uh, such a lovely way. And. You could have a show without him. It would be a very different show. And I think it's such a specific performance. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Micah. Right. So, I mean, like we were talking about uh, basically how whether or not the show could work without the show couldn't work without any of these characters. But going back to what we were talking before about how you have the moments of comedy followed by like the harrowing moments, kind of like. One of my honorable mentions is definitely Buck, like in in jail. The guy that's just kind of like <laughs> he's telling that long ass story about getting arrested with a friend he hasn't seen. I ain't seen about eleven years. Now I'm in here because this nigga man gone. Blah blah blah. It's just like we ain't get the two bibs. There was the big ones. There was the big ones. But more often than not, the person that's on the other side of like uh, those really serious moments is Darius. I got Google alerts set up on you, and it looked like the vibro one. It says, is Paperboy Atlanta's Tupac? They say no, but apparently John Boyega is the new Magic Johnson. Huh. Darius is like the show's release valve. Yes. Played by Lakeith Stanfield, who's, I, I'm sure, is just playing himself. Like, this is just what he would be His doing. His Twitter account yeah. seems to indicate. It, yeah. I, would, I was much. literally about to say that. <laughs> yeah. All the evidence we have, yeah. yes. I, I mean, Darius is MVP for, like, a hundred million reasons. <laughs> I mean, like, in the in the very first episode, when Earn is, like, trying to have a very serious conversation with Paperboy about management, and they're sitting on that couch outside and, you know, smoking or whatever, and... 
or it's just like, I'm not real homeless. I'm just fake homeless. I'll use like a rat for a phone. And then like Darius just goes off on that tangent about how rats would be how affordable, rats phones. Would be affordable yeah. phones. Nah, if you could use a rat as a phone, man, that'd be genius. I mean, it's like five rats for every one person in New York alone. Everybody would have an affordable phone. Yeah, man, I mean, it'd be messy, but worth it. <laughs> and also, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. He sets up so many of those moments. He's good for of, setting the tone of and the, the show. And the kind of little twist at the end of a scene. Right. And the way Atlanta's comedy works is not a typical sitcom setup punchline joke delivery system for the writer's room. It's so reliant on this offbeat rhythm. And yeah. it's, that rhythm is personified by that performance. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's the last of our awards for today. But since we're here to talk about season two and prepare for season two, uh, let's just talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to. Micah, why don't you go first? I know enough about the show to know better than, you know, like to expect that it's going to reveal plot details that, you know, were left unresolved in the first season. But I really kind of would like to know what happened to Earn at Princeton. Yeah, just in terms of backstory. I mean, yeah, just of- in terms of backstory. Because, I mean, the way this, the way this show begins is just kind of this late 20-something, early 30-something guy walking around the hood with a backpack on and jean shorts and, you know, like, not having no money and working in a Right, and, airport. They make, and a lot of people make reference, reference to Reference to, you know, happened. like, what happened at Princeton, yeah. and then nobody is just like, he's like, I don't know, man, but, you know, yeah. if he wants to do something, he does it, and that's the only explanation you ever get. Right. It definitely, because you're curious, it means you'll never get exactly. it. Exactly. Which is also true of my request, which is just that I would really... Like if I could get a couple uh, Alfred and Darius spinoff episodes, just some just some bottle episodes of those two out in the out in the world, doing or random just stuff Darius like one. Like, playing I want laser tag. Darius as Ban. Like, right. where's that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which I, you know, I think those are all things we love. So the show will probably not give them to us. Allison, your answer was the best. Yeah, my answer is that the thing that is best about Atlanta is that it just completely blindsided us at every turn, and you would never guess based on the hijinks episode about going on a date that you can't afford that a future episode would be a fake episode of a talk show, and you would never guess that the finale is just going to be like a completely anticlimactic hangout episode. So my answer is that I would never dare to ask Atlanta for anything specific because the thing that makes this show special is that it surprises us all the time. Amen. Bang, bang. All right. We will be back. With episodes of Recapables after every episode of Atlanta. It starts on March 1st. Micah, Allison, thank you so much. Mm. Thanks for having me. And now to take us out, a song you may be familiar with, Paperboy by Paperboy. Paperboy, Paperboy, always about that Paperboy. If you ain't on your grind, then you flexing, you's a hater boy. Paperboy, Paperboy, always getting Paperboy. If you ain't making money, then you ain't a money. Paper clip, paper clip. Yeah, I need a paper clip. I'm stacking up this paper, man, and I can make that paper flip, that paper flip.